Welcome to the Swim Swim Podcast. I'm your host, Coleman Hodges. Joining me today, we've got a very special guest. He is joining us all the way from the UK. He's a European champion, European junior champion, and most recently, member of the London Roar in the ISL. We've got Tom Dean. Tom, how's it going, man? Yeah, good. Thank you. Thanks for having me. talked to you once in the uh, virtual mix zone after one of the ISL matches and you were mm-hmm. extremely eloquent and that's actually what kind of drew me to you. Um, you you had a lot to say and a lot of really interesting insights. So I mm-hmm. wanted to see if we could sit down and you know just have a bit more of a conversation and let's start with that ISL experience. I've talked to a lot of people about the six week bubble in Budapest, but I'd love to get your insight, especially after having been removed for a couple weeks now. Mm-hmm. Um, what did you think of the ISL experience? Yeah, it was, I mean, it was unlike anything that uh, myself or anyone else had experienced before, you know, away from the pool, living in that kind of that hotel, living in that bubble environment um, was a challenge in itself. You know, we, we were stuck in our hotel rooms uh, one building, we're allowed a short period of time, you know, to go around the island. But other than that, it was the hotel, the bus to the pool and the pool. And that was it really. So, you know, limited exposure, limited social time, uh, you know, limited contact to the outside world. And just being in that very focused environment for six weeks was, you know, a test in itself. So that was a challenge that I think everyone faced, but it kind of distilled everything down to just purely racing uh, and, and just to the swimming, to the, the, uh, the swimming aspect of it and and you know you were surrounded by this competitive environment and watching the best in the world go head to head multiple times a week which is unheard of uh in a, in a normal in a normal year um and in any other competition so there were things that were difficult but it was really exciting as well and and to be part of it was was a great experience yeah so let's let's break that down a little bit um what was difficult about it for you um and especially i'm guessing maybe those first couple weeks where where there's an adjustment period you know what what did you uh find challenges with um yeah i mean me personally um our 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 group from bath the bath national center the london team uh members um so myself jimmy freya holly uh, and and Dave uh, Emily went out earlier. We all came up slightly later. Um, we had disruption back at home. Um, there was a period of isolation for for the majority of us, and we had a bit of up and down coming into um, the competition period. So we, we we came in a week later than everyone else. We um, didn't take part in that first match. Uh, we just kind of tried to get some training under our belt, and then and then hit it as hard as we could. So those first few weeks were really tough. Um, you know, for, on the one hand, it was a degree of you know, race, uh, you know, just being rusty uh, on, on our race skills and, and not, you know, stepping on the blocks for 10 months was a challenge in itself. But then on top of that, we had had disruption coming into it uh, and prior to the racing even starting. So it was really up and down. And those first few weeks were quite tough uh, and it was a bit of a shock to the system. And, you know, none of us were quite ready for how hard those first few weeks were going to go. But once we settled into it, then, you know, it really started to get exciting and the results started to come. Yeah. Uh, so w- during those first couple of weeks, um, when, when things were hard, when things were challenging, mm-hmm. you know, what, what strategies 
were you using to kind of get through those first few weeks physically, emotionally? You know, it's like what 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 helped you to to be able to say, all right, just just keep doing it, just keep going. Mm-hmm. Well, I think um, a big part of it was my my coach Dave. He was one of the coaches on the London team, um, and he's my coach here at Bath. And you know, after the first two matches, the results weren't really going the way that I wanted them to go. Um, they weren't going. I'm sure they weren't going the way he wanted them to go. And the same with Jimmy. Um, you know, we do the same events. He's my training partner, and we were having a bit of a tough time on the racing on that 400, especially. So those first two matches were really quite tough. And I remember pulling Dave aside and saying, look, um, can we just have a sit down, grab a coffee and just kind of talk through how the next few weeks are going to work? Um, because on the one hand, we hadn't really had a solid block of work behind us. And I knew that going into my racing and it's tough to step on the blocks for a four and a three against the best in the world. knowing you haven't got a block of training behind you to, to, to push you on. And I was feeling the effects of that. And I was saying, you know, Dave, we need to work hard. We need to do this. And he was like, look, you just need to trust me on this. You know, I know what I'm doing. I know what, how I need to bring you guys down uh, to deliver the results towards the end of these five weeks and we're really going to get the most out of the racing experience out here because we might not race again for who knows how long so it was a bit of a, a turning point after those first two matches where I really you know just committed fully to what they were saying I trust in the process that we were going to kind of bring the training down slightly uh, you know after a first bit of hard work while we're actually out in Budapest uh, and and the results would come towards the back end uh, which which they did. Yeah so I mean uh i remember you you won the 400 free was it in the final yes yeah so and that was was that your first win of the season no i won in the semi-final as well okay all right so you really you came on at the right time (laughs) certainly Mm -hmm. um and I remember, you know, I remember kind of seeing that ascension being like, okay, this is really interesting. Um, but yeah, I mean, you really exploded those, like you said, that semi in the final. Um, take me through those those last few weeks, um, just how, again, physically and emotionally, how you were carrying yourself, um, mm-hmm. especially with that momentum you could feel coming on. Yeah, it is. It is very much a case of momentum. And that can go one of two ways, really. You know, we're doing so much racing back to back out in the ISL. You know, there were there were times where it was two days racing, two days rest, two days racing, three days rest, two days racing. So, you know, an unheard of amount of back to back racing, which can be really positive. And if it's going well and you just carry that momentum through, carry that momentum through. But if it's not going the way you wanted it to go, which it wasn't for us at the start, it's quite tough to get yourself fired back up and get yourself, you know, emotionally, mentally prepared to get on the blocks with, you know, a clean slate in mind, thinking this is going to be the one where, you know, the times are really going to come. So um, it was a mental challenge as much as it was a physical challenge. But yeah, like you said, once we, you know, uh, rested down slightly and sharpened up for the semi-final, you know, I stepped on the blocks with, you know, the words of my coach Dave still in my head that this was going to be the one because, you know, we had a bit more rest and we'd sharpened up and just ready to really explode. And um, I remember that semi-final, I had Rapsis, you know, a lane to my right um he was literally one lane over from me and we hadn't gone head to head at this point but he had been posting some quick times from the from the start really um so I was very aware of him and I wasn't too sure whether he was going to go out like a shot or whether you know I'd be able to to hold on I wasn't entirely sure but I was able to you know just stay on his hip basically for the first 200 I got to the 200 250 mark and I was like he's not making as much of a move as I thought he was I reckon I can close him down here and then it was very much a case of building that last 150 and having a strong finish and being able to get him at the end. And 
that you know did so much for me because not only was I back on my PB from the year um, prior when I uh, won that European silver, but you know I had the confidence that despite the really rocky training before and kind of lack of hard work, I still had these times in me. You know, three thirty-seven off the back of not much good training was kind of gave me a lot of confidence, uh, and the fact that I was able to you know beat Rapsis, who at the end of the day is you know world number one and has posted some great times in the past. And yeah, going into that final, I just carried that confidence through and just hit it hard from the start. And I was able to hold him off again. Yeah. And <clears throat> again, I've, I've talked to quite a few ISL athletes and they're kind of, they're saying the same thing. Um, most notably, I talked to Sydney Pickram, one of your captains mm-hmm. uh, yesterday. And, you know, she, she said the exact same thing of you came into ISL and everyone's everyone's in a completely different place because of quarantine, because of these last six months and tr- training has been so rocky. And you're kind of like, what am I going to be able to do here? Mm-hmm. And the first couple meets, it's kind of like, oh, no. But then you kind of get into it. Yeah. And people start going best times and mm-hmm. going really mm-hmm. fast. And, you know, it's like and it like you said, it's just boom, boom, boom. And you're doing it again and again. So coming out of ISL, having had a couple weeks to just kind of sit with it and reflect, what do you make of being able to, you know, go PBs or, or race at a really high level without that really solid um, training foundation like many swimmers are used to? Mm-hmm. Well, it's interesting to say that because as, as you mentioned, you know, there are however many different nationalities coming in each nationality with a different um, set of rules on, you know, quarantining and isolation and training over the last six months. So some people were coming in as fit as they'd ever been. Some people were coming in with barely any training behind them. We had, you know, what was it, 10 weeks out of the water for the first lockdown. And then, you know, we had a short break for summer and then we came back in and just after the build phase, we had to go into isolation and then it was straight out to the ISL off the back of that. So we were coming in very much on the lower end of spectrum of kind of level of um, readiness really. Uh, and the prep we had going into it and it was interesting to see how some people came in at the start you know rested shaved tapered and hit in rapid you know times from the get-go um, notably some people on the teams that were less likely to make it all the way to the end of the six weeks and, and make it to the final and they're posting these really really quick times from the get-go but you'd watch as each competition went on and on they wouldn't be able to beat the time they did at the very start because you can't stay especially on those longer events, you can't say, you know, rested, shaved and tapered for five weeks and expect to just descend and descend and descend if you're hitting it hard from the get-go. Whereas our approach was more of a, okay, you know, we need to get some hard work done while we're out there and, you know, get a bit of block of work done. And if that means the first few matches suffer slightly, then it's just a gamble we're going to have to take to pay off in the semi and the final when it really matters. So, you know, different people came in with different approaches and different, um, you know, backgrounds going into it and, and levels of training and stuff like that. But yeah, I mean, to be able to go 336 with no block of hard training behind me, no solid three-week, four-week block, you know, no aerobic block, just a build phase after the summer break, you know, gives me so much confidence this year and going forward because I was going slower than that last year and I had had a solid, you know, chunk of work. I'd done an altitude camp. I'd done, you know, no disruptions whatsoever. And this year I'm going a second quicker without the hard work. So it's just, it's really exciting going forward to, you know, you know, getting some hard work, which is exactly what we're doing now. Uh, you know, Jimmy and I getting our heads down in training with, with Dave and, you know, I can't wait to see what the rest of the season has in, in store once we've got a block of hard work behind us. Yeah. Does, does that change your perspective on what you may need as an athlete moving forward at all? 
Um, I think it's interesting, you know, it, it did show that the work is needed at the start uh, and you're not able to, you know, hit it hard back to back to back weeks and expect to race the best you've ever been. You know, it, it's just proof that you need to be slightly rested. You know, you need to, to be sharp and you need to be ready to go. You can't expect a PB off the, uh, off the back of hard training. You know, we're not age group swimmers anymore. You know, we're senior athletes. And, and we need that kind of degree of rest. Um, but it's also given me um, confidence in, in Dave's program and, uh, you know, more faith in, in, what, he, in what he's doing. And, and you know, the, the results kind of spoke for themselves. Um, and he rested us up, you know, to the point of perfection where that, that final, it was that feeling where anytime you hit the water, you're going to do a good swim. You know, I only got to do the 400 free and the 400 I am in the final but they were both PBs. Um, you know, I feel like if I'd had a shot at two under three, then I would have been able to knock another second, second and a half off. Uh, I'm confident in that. So, um, yeah, it was, it was really exciting. And man, what a 200 free that final was too. I mean, that was, mm-hmm. that was, that was an exciting mm-hmm. swim. Um, I would, I would have, yeah. I would have loved to see you go head to head with, uh, with those guys as well. It would have been fun. But yeah, yeah. Next time. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully so. No, it was quick. It was quick, and you know, Duncan. I knew he was on for a good time. I knew straight away after his, after his turn. I am. I seen what he'd been doing in training. I knew he was ready to go. And yeah, one forty point two is just a whisker off a one thirty nine, which is just on another world, isn't it? That's insane. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, and so uh, again, having having been home for a couple weeks, do you do you feel like that? aspect was was your biggest takeaway from the isl or do you have other things that um were were just as impactful either you know with your training inside the pool outside the pool um you know what were your takeaways i think so i didn't do isl season one um this season was my first you know experience of this whole team environment and like i said you know we're watching the best in the world go head to head on a you know bi-weekly basis as opposed to a you know once a year basis or sometimes once every two years that you, that you see, you know, if, if it's in between those, those Olympic years. So that was just uh, insane. And it was really exciting. And, you know, it's two hours of racing, you know, the light show was electric, the music was really good. There was no crowd, but I've been at competitions with crowds that have been, you know, a much worse atmosphere than that one with all the people, with all the, uh, the teams in their boxes. So it was just like, unlike any swimming competition that I'd, I'd been to before. And, I've had all these, you know, my family and friends back home watching it saying, this is really exciting. This is like, not like anything else we've seen before. So I think my biggest takeaway was just the future of the ISL and the future of the sport uh, as, as a whole, because, um, you know, it's attracted so much attention and he was able to put on a competition in such a difficult, you know, time of year with everything that's going on. Um, and if he can do it then, then I think it's got a lot of um, potential for the future. So I was excited to be a part of it and, you know, one of the early seasons because I can see it going on for, um, yeah, a whole lot longer. Fingers crossed, man, because crossed. yeah, we don't, I think everyone who's a fan of swimming doesn't want the ISL to go away. We, we no, want that to, to stay for good. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. and it, that's exciting. And so, so let's, <clears throat> I'd like to get into some of those, you know, once a year type competitions because, uh, you're only 20 right and yep. um so i mean you you just came on to the senior scene as you said um a little, a little recently and uh i'd like to start with 2019 world championships 
Mm-hmm. Those are your first world championship, like first senior world championships yep. um, with Team GB. I mean, as as someone, as a 19-year-old kid, how what was that experience like, especially being a part of that 800 or that 4 by 2 relay? Um, there was the two-time defending champs. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yep. Yeah, no, I mean, GB is synonymous with a strong 4 by 2 team. That's, you know, we've, we've had great, success in the past with it and I'm stepping on the team that's won an Olympic silver medal they've been world champions and I'm lucky enough to be part of that team a year on from winning at Europeans and you know that being my first senior meet but the world champs being my first senior world level meet so um it was really exciting to be part of that relay um you know it was it, it didn't quite go how we wanted it to go um for a number of factors uh, and you know we came fifth and we were you know it was something insane like two tenths of a second off of silver so really really nothing in it um but i mean that was there were a few things that um didn't go quite to plan and we finished and we we were speaking to the coaches and they said that is the best possible thing that is the best possible result you guys could have had in the year before the olympics is coming fifth and being a whisker off a medal um on that four by two because it gave us so much drive for the following year and myself being the youngest member uh, I did the, the, I think I was a, a 146-1 split on the relay. So nothing, you know, amazing. And I knew I could have gone quicker, but it did give us a lot of drive for the following year as a whole team to, to really push on. And, you know, I'm so confident in what we're going to be able to do this summer as a 4 by 2 team. Um, myself personally, you know, I've already gone a PB last year in the only long course meet we did. Uh, and that was off the back of, flying straight in from Australia three days before and going then <laughs> flying straight to Edinburgh. Um, but the block of training that Jimmy and I had done last year, Jimmy obviously only joined my squad last year. The block of training that we did, we both posted 146s, unrested, unshaved and untapered at the Edinburgh International last year off the back of um, flying straight in from Australia. So we were both on our best times, essentially, um, with you know not very good prep. So I'm very confident that we both could have gone really, really quickly at trials obviously Duncan is on the best form of his life he's posting PBs he a 144.9 swimmer from world champs he would have been on fire as well and then it's just that fourth spot really and um, whoever fills it up that's where that's where the medal is going to be dictated by um, but no it's, it's really exciting for this summer and being able to step up um, and be part of it on, on, on a world level in 2019 was you know an honor in itself yeah I mean that's I've talked to uh talked to a couple of the Australian guys about it. I talked to Jimmy, to J- James mm-hmm. guy about it. Um, I mean, it's one of the craziest races I think I've ever mm-hmm. seen yeah. uh, because it, you, you had five guys flipping at the 750 and all, all in metal contention. Yep. Um, and that's, that's really cool. I mean, if, if just push off, if you don't want to answer this, but what, what do you guys feel like you didn't, didn't go quite to plan as you said earlier? Um, I can't speak for the other boys in terms of their race plan uh, and mm-hmm. how, how they found the times. I mean, um, you know, Jarv, Callum Jarvis, went one of his fastest relay splits ever, uh, 145.5. Duncan leading off in a 144.9 was, you know, absolutely amazing. I don't think Jimmy was as happy with his time as he could have been. He's a 143 relay swimmer at the end of the day and a 145.5 or 145.6 wasn't, you know, exactly where he wanted to be. But me personally, I let the the whole energy 
and the whole atmosphere slightly get the better of me at my first world championships. And, you know, I did go off too hard. My relay takeover wasn't quite where it should have been. Um, you know, I, I kind of um, just got a little bit excited and a little bit um, too racy on that first hundred. And, you know, that's a, that's a learning experience that I can take away and, um, and, and carry forward. So I think it was a combination of factors, but like I said, it's just almost played into our hand and given us so much more drive um, for, for, you know, the relay at the Olympics, which obviously in the summer of 2020, but now 2021 um, is going to be really exciting, I think. Agreed. I mean, I think that's, for me personally, it's going to be the one of the most highly anticipated races, mm-hmm. uh, at mm-hmm. least on the men's side, because like you said, I don't think any of those teams are really going away. Um, no, absolutely. But so, so what is, what's the, what's the relay vibe culture like in GB right now, just in terms of you guys, do you guys, obviously you train, you know, James guys, your training partner, but mm-hmm. do you guys, you know, do you text about the, these kinds of things every once in a while? Do you get to train with each other? You know, it's like, I mean, in the U S it's a different, you know, like you don't really, the relays aren't made up until the, the trials meet where they qualify and then they have training camp mm-hmm. and that's pretty much the only time, but you know, it's like somewhere like Brazil, they'll have relay training camps or, or Australia. Mm-hmm. I think they do a similar thing. So it's like, do you guys have anything like that? Or, you know, what's you kind of, you don't know for sure, but you kind of have an idea of who's going to be on those relays. So is there mm-hmm. a little more building of the, of the camaraderie as the year goes on? Um, yeah, we do have things similar to that. And as you said, you kind of have a rough idea of who's going to be eyeing up those relay spots, you know, of the world champs teams, three out of the four of us are based here in Bath, um, where I train, um, Callum is in the other squad at Bath and then James and I are training partners in Dave's squad at Bath. So I'm very close to, um, three out of, obviously three of us are very close in Bath and we see each other every day and then Duncan up in, uh, up in Stirling in Scotland, while we don't see him as much, you know, we still have relay camps, um, which we do take part in and we do, you know, and we've got altitude camps and we've got, you know, a number of different British swimming events that happen that we're able to, you know, train together at, which is, which is always really exciting. And even, you know, the five, six weeks out in ISL, you know, getting in the lanes next to him and, and, and doing a few sessions where we're doing the same kind of thing. Yeah. We're all really close. And, and because we've got a kind of a rough idea of who's going to be in those, in that top four, it's not that top six. Then, uh, yeah, we're all we're all able to um to yeah kind of have that bond and and train together a little bit and you know I'm fortunate in that I'm able to you know be in the same lane if not the lane next to Jimmy um every day and we're able to push each other and it's exciting having that common goal uh, in mind especially when the the sets get tough uh, which which they have been in the last few weeks. <laughs> yeah. So what what is what is a normal set for you guys? I mean, do you have you know, uh, is it like Tuesdays you go really hard or Wednesdays you'll go off the blocks, you know, stuff like that. Do you, do you kind of know what you're doing on a week to week basis? Yeah, we've, we've got a pretty, a pretty good idea. Um, our coach works in blocks, you know, we might be doing an aerobic block or doing more of an anaerobic block and, you know, it might be a three block of work and then, you know, a slightly deload week. So it, it varies through the season. Um, we've been given our cycles from uh, now and the next 20 weeks until, uh, British champs we know exactly what that's all going to look like but yeah on a normal week we know that Monday morning we're going to have a big aerobic set this afternoon we were doing speed work tomorrow morning we're going to be doing a threshold session um, so the weeks kind of follow a similar pattern when we're in a certain block um, but yeah I mean since we've got back from ISL we've been we've been hitting it pretty hard there was no 
you know, time to catch your breath. It was a few days travel and then we're straight back into it. And, you know, this is the block of work that I was talking about. We missed out before ISL. This is, you know, we're, we're making up for it. But um, it's been so exciting to hit the ground running off the back of such good results out in Budapest and knowing that we've got that fitness behind us despite not having that work. So we're, we're starting from an even higher level um, than we were this time last year. And, yeah, some of the sets Jimmy and I have been doing, um, so yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about the year ahead, essentially. Has, has there been a set in the last few weeks that stood out to you so far, one that you did really well on or you guys, you know, really, really pushed it and was like, wow. Not, not bad. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we had a tough one last Friday, actually. We had a, we had a really tough one last Friday. So um, we was a, it was a descent uh, to, um, to VO2 set, essentially, in, in, in hundreds and, and blocks of six. And so we went from aerobic to threshold to VO2, and um, the, the set volume increased over the four sets. So it was a really, really tough one. But, you know, the times that Jimmy and I were doing, they were like 200 race pace or quicker. We're holding for hundreds and it's like, okay, we've never done times like this before in training. Even looking back to this time last year, we were going one, two, three seconds slower on, on sets like this with the heart rates that are being reflected. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, we, we really kind of hit it hard last week on that Friday night. And I know that this Friday is going to be something along those, along those lines. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a tough block, but it's, uh, it's exciting the work that, that me and him are, are putting in the bank. Yeah, that's that is exciting, and hopefully those results show. So you mentioned British champs are in twenty weeks. Is that right? Mm-hmm. About twenty weeks. Yep. Okay, so that puts them in May, April. I think, I think mid to late April, off the top of my head. Do you have a pretty set event lineup for that meet uh, as of now? Um, I've got a rough idea. I think the two hundred three and four hundred three are the real standout events. Um, for me personally, um, my, my, my focus has shifted slightly off the IM and more towards the freestyle. So the only individual swim I got at the World Champs in 2019 was the IM. But since then, the freestyle's come more into the spotlight with that short course four and three looking quite promising. Um, so hopefully being able to transfer that into long course and obviously the two and three being a staple for myself personally, but for the relay as well. So those two are pretty solid. Um, I would like to get some IM swims in as well, but it's very much a case of sitting down with my coach, seeing what the, the six, seven day schedule looks like and, and, and planning it around that. Um, but yeah, those, those three styles are, are for sure. Gotcha. And so how do you balance that free I am in, in training for you? Um, so, I mean, I grew up as an IM swimmer, essentially all through my age group career, you know, my, my home program was very much IM based for me personally. We do a lot of IM work and I still, do quite a lot of IM work when we're doing aerobic sessions or, you know, if we're doing a descent threshold session or whatever it might be, I think it's really, really important. Uh, and I've still, you know, got a few decent IM swims in me. The 402 at, at um, the ISL wasn't, wasn't too shabby and it was a nice PB for me. So, um, yeah, I think my IM still quite decent, even though it's not my main focus. Mm-hmm. If we're doing a race pace session, I'm going to do it on freestyle, essentially, and that's how it goes. If we're doing a you know, a session where we need to get down and starting to replicate what we're going to be doing in competition, then I'm going to be doing it on freestyle. So that's moved more into the spotlight for me. Um, even though the relay has always been in the back of my mind, that four by two, now an individual spot is something I'm starting to eye up as well. So um, it's it shifted slightly, but there's still, you know, a degree of both in my, uh, in my training. Do you prefer just, just training wise, not even, you know, focusing on the races, but do you prefer one kind of training over the other? Um, 
So my coach loves threshold work, absolutely loves it. He's, I mean, he's even known in British swimming for loving a bit of threshold work. So he's a big fan of that. And I, and I think it, you know, really reaps, reaps some benefits. I think it gets us really, really fit. Um, but me personally, I just like doing race pace work. And, you know, if we do a, <clears throat> a session that descends down and we finish with some race pace 50s or race pace 100s at the end of it, I think that's really exciting. And um, obviously that comes as you get closer to the competition. But yeah, that's definitely my favorite, my favorite type of training. Mm. Nice. Um, and so again, like we said, world champs in 2019 was your first senior international meet. Um, Mm -hmm. well, sorry, that's not true. Uh, it was your first world senior world champs. Um, you'd been Mm -hmm. to Euro juniors, you'd been to European championships. Um, when you got there in 2019, did you feel prepared for that stage based on, you know, the European meets you'd been to before? Um, I think world championships is a whole level above Europeans. Um, you know, it's, it's a bigger stage. It's against, you know, you've obviously got the Americans and the Aussies um, and a lot of the Asian countries, so China and Japan taking part. So it's, it's a whole level above and everything's just bigger and better and more exciting. Uh, and, you know, more, you know, just more, slightly more foreign, you know, when I'm racing in Glasgow for Europeans, I've raced in Glasgow all my age group career you know, from a very young age and it's, there's a degree of familiarity, but when you're going to Guangzhou in South Korea, you know, the other side of the globe from anywhere you've been before to race, it is completely different. And I'm fortunate in that my coach has got um, years of experience taking swimmers to, to these high level competitions. He's been on every major GB team since 01, since um, world champs in 01. So, you know, he was able to you know basically guide me through the whole process and say you know when you walk out to the arena it's going to be you know take your breath away slightly when you when you see that whole setup and it's going to be unlike any competition you've uh, been to before so I went in expecting that knowing that it was going to be bigger and better than anything I'd I'd faced and and, and having that in the back of your mind and having a coach who's so confident and so you know calm and collected in that uh, arena environment you know reflected into my emotions and I was able to, you know, calm myself down and, and, and just go at it with a level head, uh, and, and an action plan. And I felt, yeah, quite prepared going into it, which was quite good. That is, that, is, that does seem quite good. Uh, mm-hmm. to, to date, do you have a favorite meet that you have been to thus far? Uh, favorite meet, um, probably as a senior athlete, uh, I loved in the men Ostroms, uh, in 2019, they were really exciting. I, cause I'd never done back-to-back competitions like that and, and a, a series essentially. So, um, it was Monaco, uh, Cannes, Barcelona were the three we did back-to-back and that was really fun, you know, two days and then two days off and then two days on or however it went. So that was quite exciting. Um, but I think as a, as a single competition prior to that, I know it's going back to my junior years, but, um, Bahamas in 2017, just because of the location and, and racing outdoors for the first time, that's always, you know, stuck in my mind. Uh, I t- tell me about that meet. What was so cool about it? So it was, I'd just come off the back of European Juniors 2017, which was my first, um, you know, international competition as a junior swimmer. Uh, and I, I'd, I'd won that, which was really exciting. And this was the last big meet of the year, the last big meet of the season, you know, one more push and I got to go out to the Bahamas and, you know, stay in this amazing hotel with the whole team and, you know, great food and great environment and get to race outdoors. Um, it was just really, really exciting. And I was able to get the win there on the 200 IM. And it was just a great way to round off the season. And they had an opening ceremony, a closing ceremony, which was good fun. So, um, yeah, that's still, even though it wasn't the biggest competition, you know, I've been to, it's still, you know, 
got a pretty special place in uh, in my my racing career. Yeah, what meet was that? That was Commonwealth Youth Games. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that seems pretty cool. Yeah. Bahamas yeah. seems like not a yeah. bad place to race. <laughs> yeah, there's there's worse places to race. <laughs> that's that's really nice. Um, mm-hmm. And so, <clears throat> uh, you raced in uh, in the British University Championships as well. Is that right? Yes. Yes, I did. Okay. And so, I mean, you know, as, as Americans, we um, I'm used to the NCAA, you know, mm-hmm. collegiate swimming is a big thing here. Um, how would, and I don't, I'm used to, I, I know what that energy is like. What, how would you describe um, like the Bukes environment, especially now that you've been a part of this ISL team as well? Um, I think, I think Bucks here in the UK and the NCAA is a, a world's apart, to be honest with you. Uh, the NCAAs is essentially one of the highest level competitions in the world because of the caliber of swimmer that you have a, a collegiate level swimming here in the UK, we've got a slightly different system. Um, the majority of swimmers at national centers, so Bath, Loughborough, uh, and slightly separately Sterling, um, the majority of them don't study at university and therefore don't, um, race at the Bucks competitions twice a year. So there are a handful of us that do, um, I was doing a mechanical engineering degree. So I was able to represent Bath university at the Bucks, at the Bucks competition, but the majority of athletes at um, national centers don't, but you still get, you know, I mean, Max Litchfield, I got to race him at Bucks, uh, Duncan, I got to race him at Bucks. So there are still a few high level athletes, uh, James Wilby who swim at, uh, at Bucks because they study at the same time as, as doing their training and, and they're there, but you know, it's a, it's a very different environment to, to an NCAAs where essentially almost all national level, high level athletes are, or collegiate level swimmers uh, and, and will be, you know, performing at the NCAAs. Uh, I mean, t- tell me about that environment though. I mean, what it, going into a Bucks meet, do you shave taper? Are you, you know, is it, is it a big team thing? Um, I mean, what makes it, what makes it an exciting meet for you? Um, we tend not to shave and taper. The, the thing is, at the universities here in the UK, the university squad and the national centre squad at, at, at Bath and Loughborough are very separate. We don't train with the university squad. They're, you know, completely separate. We, I train with the national centre squad. So uh, there are only two of us, I think, from the national centre who, uh, sorry, three of us at the national centre uh, who took part in the box competition because only three of us studied. So we joined in with the whole university squad who made up the majority of the Bath Bucks team uh, as kind, kind of like an outsider just coming in and, and just treating it like any open meet. So it's not a huge one. There's not, you know, a massive atmosphere around it. It's just kind of go up there, do a bit of racing like you would any other kind of small open meet during the short course season and, and then again during the long course season. So it's, you know, completely nothing like an ISL and I don't think much like an NCAAs either, to be honest with you. Gotcha. Yeah, I was just curious because I didn't. I had seen results from the Bucks meets, mm-hmm. but I didn't really know too much about it. Um, that is pretty yeah. interesting. Do you, mm-hmm. do you? So, what do you think about balancing? You know, the the training at a national center uh, with getting a you know an engineering degree. Yeah, it's it's quite tough. It's not like America. So obviously, um, you're a, a student athlete out in America. The key word being student and athlete, those two things, you know, having a place and fitting around each other. Here in the UK, it's very much you're an athlete and then completely separately you're a student. 
So there, there's no sense of, you know, one working with the other, which is why I found doing a mechanical engineering degree during my first year here at Bath, so leading into that world champs in 2019, really quite challenging. Uh, and both the studying and the training were compromised because of um, one another. So it was, it was quite a challenge um, doing that and trying to balance everything, especially when, you know, no one from the university understands the swimming at the national center and the swimming at the national center has no affiliation with the university in the slightest so training times and lecture times are, are, are constantly clashing so it was quite tough that first year and I think um, I didn't get all the training in that I, I should have done uh, and it, it did suffer slightly which is why during Olympic year last year I put the studies on hold for one year to focus solely on the training which allowed me to go away to two altitude camps and an Australia camp and you know attend every single session and you know complete it to its fullest um and the results started to you know show that extra commitment um you know i started doing pbs i did that that four and a three short europeans i did that 146 off the back of australia um before lockdown started so you know it did start to pay off um and that's what i'm doing again this year i'm taking a break from studies because it's olympic year and you know this is the most important year in the four-year cycle so um it's 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 tough it is challenging trying to do both um, and, and this year I've, I've prioritized this for me. Makes sense. I just mm -hmm. spoke with Arno Kaminga, uh, the D Dutch breaststroker yeah. who, who said, shared similar sentiments. You know, he had said, I, it's really hard to do both in the Netherlands because they're not streamlined at all. Right. It's completely yeah. separate being a student and being an athlete mm -hmm. and you can't really do both because they're yeah. not really supportive of each other um yeah. so that's again it's just it's a different way of doing things and that's that's interesting because i didn't i didn't know that i you know yeah. i'm used to the u.s way and i didn't realize there was like that at other places so interesting. yeah i mean my my, my sister is doing a medicine degree at duke on a swimming scholarship okay and she's able to fit both in despite how demanding a medicine degree is so yeah hearing her experiences and hearing my experience my experiences yeah they're, they're completely different yeah um it's again yeah very interesting mm -hmm. um huh so so to wrap things up um it's been great talking with you moving into these next couple weeks couple months obviously you've got british trials on the horizon but what mm -hmm. are you looking forward to just you know december january february do you have any competitions on the schedule so we we have got competitions on the schedule um everything's still slightly up in the air um, there's even supposed to be a competition in Dublin in Ireland next weekend but I think that's kind of you know still might not happen so I'm not too sure about 2020 I think we can draw a line under that in terms of competition I was fortunate to get you know a whole bunch of racing done over the five weeks in Budapest I was really really lucky I'm still very grateful that that competition was put on and we were able to attend it but yeah looking forward between now and British Champs in um, in April I think we've got a few that Edinburgh international meet that was the final one before lockdown started last year. I think that might be happening. Um, I've got a feeling there's one in Belgium. I think Flanders might be happening, but I'm not too sure. It's still quite up in the air. Essentially, we just have been given our program and we say, you know, this is the number of blocks of work that we need to get in. We need to tick off 100% compliance for every single week. And it's that degree of consistency that are going to cause the results to come. Um, you know, I've had two great weeks already. Um, coming off the back of Budapest and as I said doing doing times that neither I nor Dave nor Jimmy were expecting to be posting this early on so 
So um, it's very exciting. And if we can carry that momentum forward through the next, I mean, what is it now? It's not even 20 weeks. It might be 17 weeks. And then when you kind of start looking into taper, it's even less. So um, it's very much focusing on the training between now and then. And then we'll start doing some some sharpening up and, and, and some race work. But I think there might be the odd competition dotted, dotted around before then. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like that's pretty much everyone's scenario right yeah, now. There yeah. might there might be some competitions, but yeah, yeah. Uh, training basically <laughs> from here on out. Yeah. Uh, well, Tom, again, I really appreciate you taking the time to sit down and talk with me for a little bit. Any parting thoughts before we sign off? Um, nothing really. Thank you very much for having me, and uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to, to hearing it back. You've been listening to the Swim Swam podcast. Stay tuned for new episodes every week. You can take Swim Swam podcasts on the go by subscribing on your favorite podcast platform. Look for links in the description below and be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel for more videos as well.